and welcome to Neither the Time Nor the Space, a podcast about Doctor Who. My name is David, and as always, I am joined by the duplicitous Matt. Hello there. Hey, how are we doing on this beautiful spring equinox morning? David, I'm so hungover. <laughs> oh, this does not bode well. Um, I, did, I did put okay. a message out this morning and just said, look, it's either going to be the best episode or the worst episode ever. <laughs> but you can probably tell I'm pretty croaky. Yeah. Right. You don't sound you don't sound uh, top drawer. It's fair to say. Yeah. Um, so for for context, listeners, we're recording. We've we've tended to record on Sunday after uh, Sunday afternoons recently, but um, it just so happened that Saturday morning was the, the, going to be the easiest time for me to record this weekend. So I didn't know you were hungover, Matt. You very valiantly stepped up to the plane. See, not uh, uh, normally Saturday morning is like have a lie in, go to booths, watch Doctor Who. This morning <laughs> it was like w- wake up at four o'clock in an absolute state, struggle oh, to get God. back to sleep. Then when my wife went to work, I had to watch Doctor Who at an hour of the day. No one should ever be watching Doctor Who. No, that's true, and it's an and it's an intense one as well. Like, yeah. um, and then jump straight I, the into this. So. Yeah, I I don't want to put any pressure on you, Matt, and we will talk about it at length later in the episode. I'm, I have a feeling the listeners are going to be kind of on the edge of their seats wanting to know how you feel about this one purely because of, you know, the last 20 minutes or so of this of this story. Um, we won't we won't sort of like get into it now, but uh are you feeling that pressure at all? But, a little bit. Uh, Every message I've had is just like that speech, man. Just, yeah. just watch that speech. Yeah. It's one of the. It's one of those sort of moments of like Doctor Who legend. It's quite a, quite a sort of pivotal moment in the Capaldi era. So. I, it must be. I, I I feel like when we get to these kind of like big episodes, it it must you know at this point you must kind of feel feel the pressure a little bit. So uh, perfect have, circumstances. Have, have we even mentioned be, uh, we're discussing the Zygon inversion? I don't know that we have. I mean, it should be fairly obvious. I don't know why anyone will be jumping in this one at random, but yeah, we're talking about the Zygon inversion this week. Um, so yeah, there will be there'll be lots to get into. Uh, but let's let's ease things in gently, shall we, Matt? Well, um, David, I have some news for you. I'm all ears. Well, as you know, I I spend a great deal of time on Twitter talking to our listeners. You do far and, more than me. And some would say that I've formed somewhat of a network of spies. So <laughs> would they? Is that what some would say? I feel like this is a Wikipedia moment. Citation needed. So this this week, a listener who'll remain nameless because the last thing we need is you berating them. Okay, you've been on okay. poor form with the listeners recently, but <laughs> one one of them just simply sent me a timestamp this week for yes. the episode of Married to Who that went out and. Uh, I can't remember what episode it was they were reviewing. They're way in the future. Do you want to say hello to the Married to Who crew? Hi, hi, Married to Who. Anything else? 
No, not really. I, well, actually, you know what? I I uh, I was listening to the uh, brothers brothers in who, um, Ben episode that they put out recently. Where they're talking about uh, the Macro Terror and oh, what was the other one? They did two stories featuring Ben, and I'm blanking because it was earlier in the week. I can't. Remember. It was one of them was the Macro Terror anyway. Uh, but anyway, that was good fun. So well, yeah, in in their episode this week, when I fast forwarded through. They, yeah. they they mentioned not only do we discuss food for half an hour per week, but that's the best yeah. part of our podcast. <laughs> so I, I just wondered if you had any comment on that statement, David? Not really. I'm I'm, I'm resigned to it at this point, listeners. I, it's, you know, it's not why I don't... I, I mean, on one level, I just wanted to do a podcast with you, Matt. So it's an excuse for us to chat once a week, and that's nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but did you ever think I, I'd I be like... soliciting pictures of Sir Terry Wogan in er- erotic poses and sending them to I, you? I didn't, I didn't foresee that particular outcome. I did wonder if sooner or later you would start to take the reins a bit more, uh, just due to the nature of your personality. Um and in some ways, it's amazing that it really wasn't until we hit lockdown that that, that started to happen. Oh, you, but... you mean lockdown where I lost my mind? Yes, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, c- Can I talk about are, a Doctor Who... where we are at this point. Can I talk about a Doctor Who podcast I listened to this week? Of course you can, yeah. Uh, so I, I, I mention them all the time, and I think in terms of... Like, sensible Doctor Who reviews. Because, obviously, I, I wouldn't say us are necessarily married to Who. We, we, we're we sensible when we do our reviews. Okay. Yeah. We, but I, there, is a te- there is a tendency towards flippancy. But I, I listened this week to the Cloister Bell podcast, and they were reviewing... Is it called yeah. The Happiness Patrol? Yeah, Seventh Doctor Story. Not one I've seen yet. Yeah, well, I I thought it was going to be a really, really, like, silly review, because obviously it's the one that's got the sweet man or whatever he's called in. Yeah, it's it's stuff of legend, that one. But their, their podcast is so good. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to well, go, yeah. go on record and say it's the best sensible Doctor Who podcast. Well, that's quite an endorsement. I really need to catch up with... Um, I was listening to one just the other day. I've just like randomly dipped into the archives and listened to their episode on the Aztecs, mm. which is one of my well, personal favourite They're, they're reviewing each of their favourite stories from every Doctor, so they're up to Eccleston right. now. So they're going to be doing... The next one they're doing is Boomtown, and I'm quite excited for that because it was an episode we absolutely slighted, but the general consensus seems to be quite positive. It does lean positive more than, and that surprised me. I, I thought it was more of a divisive episode than it seems to be. But they put a poll out on Twitter, and it was, uh, I think it was so uh, something in the region of a seventy-five good to bad, like seventy-five percent good to twenty-five percent bad split, wasn't it? Mm. So keep keep your eyes out for that. Really, really yeah. good stuff. I listened to it when I Excellent. was at work, and it was it was the best part of my day. Do you do you worry that? For someone who doesn't like Doctor Who, you listen to a lot of Doctor Who podcasts. I, I'm at my point. limit. I'm at my limit. I'm listening to three, <laughs> and that's it. Right? There's, it's, uh, there's Married to Who, there's Cloister yeah. Bell, and there's Companion Piece. And everyone else can go sit in the dustbin. 
<laughs> Hear that, RFS? Yeah. If you're thinking of starting one, don't, okay? If you're thinking, oh, I wonder if Matt's listening, I'm not, okay? I've got three. The, oh. it, it, it is fascinating to me that there, there seems to be absolutely no saturation point for Doctor Who podcasts. There is. It's like... three. <laughs> three but per person, have, or four if you include us. Out there? It's, yeah. it's, I think it's kind of wonderful that... It, I think there are reasons why this show in particular lends itself to the world of podcasting so much. In that it's it's by that do you mean Doctor Who or our show? Uh, I mean Doctor Who. Like uh, I think Doctor Who is just this kind of limitless resource that you can you can pull and poke and prod from every conceivable angle, and uh, yeah, it it it's just a. An endless j- jumping-off point for discussion, so it really does lend itself to, to to podcasting in a way that I don't think any other TV show, uh, any other TV show could quite manage. It, if I came, you know how our podcast started, where you came to me and said, "Let's talk Doctor Who." If yeah. I came to you and said, "Let's do a podcast," what other show would you have done? I know we always joke about Robot Wars. Oh... Uh... I don't know, Matt. I don't know. Um, Because it's... You see, a lot of the other shows that I like are comedy. And I don't think comedy lends itself to the kind of granular examination uh, that, that you get with something like podcasting. You know, you just you, you talk about the bits that you found funny and the bits that maybe didn't work for you. But, you know, I, can't, I couldn't imagine doing a like episode by episode watch through of uh, Monty Python's Flying Circus or mm-hmm. or um, Black Books or whatever. You know, it, I, I don't think it, that would quite work. So I don't know, really. What, what is there anything like if you were taking the reins, what what would be? your pick for for a show to to do the podcast treatment. I don't know, because it'd have to be something that's as long run as Doctor Who, so we have something to talk about. Um, I, guess, I guess Star Trek, a lot of people do, do Star Trek, because obviously, whilst it's not one continuous show, there are so many iterations and, and, and forms that that, that Coronation that Street. Oh, I mean, there's certainly a lot of it. Yeah. Could you imagine starting at the beginning? Like... Since how lo- I wonder how long that would take. Since That's we've right. lived together, me and my wife have lived together for about four, maybe slightly longer years, and every year we just go through a cycle of just watching Friends. <laughs> and it's like a ritual. Yeah, and imagine, and there's a lot of that, and it takes a long time. But Coronation Street. Yeah, no, I think any kind of soap, it's like, I don't, does anyone catch up with soaps? Do people still watch them? I don't know. I mean, I've, I'll be honest, I've never really, my family aren't soap watchers. I never grew up with, with soaps on in the house. So I, I, I've, I personally don't really know anyone who watches them. Uh, Apart from uh, my, uh, my partner's dad, he watched EastEnders for a while, apparently. But that's the closest I get. Yeah. No, I used to watch a, a, a little you... bit of Coronation Street when I was younger. Yeah. And even my mum's kind of like tagged out of it. 
Yeah. So. It's just, I feel like it as a format, it's it's kind of had its day at this point. You know, I think streaming and binge shows and stuff has has really kind of killed that type of storytelling. You well, know, the closest I get to soaps is American sitcoms because, you know, they, they, they go for a billion episodes and there's lots of, you know, romantic pairing offs and, uh, and, and entanglements and things, you know. So it kind of does all of that, but it does it with a lighter touch and is, is infinitely more amusing than uh, the sort of, British soap opera version, which, as far as I can tell, is a lot of dour-faced people shouting at each other and occasionally smashing plates. Well, that that segues nicely into our latest feature. David, do you have a non-Doctor Who television highlight of the week? I do. Taskmaster's back. It is. I'm yet to watch it. Oh, okay. I won't spoil it for you. Um, But good lineup. I think. I think it's a very promising start. Yeah. It's got Charlotte uh, Ritchie, who's secretly one of my celebrity crushes. Well, she's become one of mine, and it's purely because of ghosts. She's one of the leads in Ghosts. Oh, really? Yeah. She's pretty good never, in Dead Pixels, seen... if you haven't seen it. I've that. heard of that. I've not I've not seen it, but, um, yeah, I'd never seen her in anything before. And, like, within the space of one episode of Ghosts, I slightly fell in love with her. So yeah. um, She's in yeah. Fresh Meat. She's in Call the Midwife. She's in all sorts. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that I haven't seen. It's But, like, popular stuff. She's obviously very good. And, uh, yeah, she's she's good on Taskmaster as well so far. Like, I think they all are. I think it's, a, like I say, strong line-up for this, uh, this uh, series. What about you? What's been your TV highlight? I, I genuinely don't think I've watched any TV this week. Other than Doctor Who for this. Yeah, like, I don't know. Yeah. I've just been in a bit of a daze this week. Just get up, go to work, come home. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. Shall we do... Oh, I'll tell you what I did watch. How oh, about yeah. I watched the first episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier? No spoilers, please, Matt. Yeah, I watched that last night when I got in. That was pre-drinks. Uh, That's probably why I can't remember it. And I, then... I get the impression that, that so far people are happy with it. Yeah. But... I don't know anything beyond that, and I don't want to know. Yeah, I didn't mind it. It was definitely watchable. Mm. Is that really... That's as far as you're going with it at this point. All right, I'll spoil the end for you. So, at the end... Oh, no, 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 blah, 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 blah. I'll, t- I'll just take my headphones out, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, definitely worth a watch. All right then. Well, you know what? That kind of need, leads nightly, nicely on to one of the the uh, things that I prepared for. Would I lie to who this week? So, shall we just dive into that, Matt? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. So it's my t- my turn to be uh, proffering up some lies, uh, yeah. two lies and one truth. And you're on thin ice because you don't seem to <laughs> in- understand the rules. So you've you're, you've had one strike against you. All right. Well, you you've asked me to go big, and we'll, we'll see we'll see how you feel about this. But um, I've tried. I have tried, Matt. Mm-hmm. So, despite repeatedly moaning to you about being behind on one division, Matt. Yeah. Um, I've still not caught up this week. Right. Yet 
I have somehow found the time to watch all four parts of the fourth Doctor series or the Androids of Tara. Okay. In one week. See, whenever um, we do this, you're always like, oh, Matt, I, I haven't got time to do anything you ever ask me. I'm so busy constantly. I, I, I've just got so much on. And you're just watching shitty 1970s Doctor Who. Are you aware of the concept of priorities? <laughs> you're, you're acting as though that is definitely true. That could be a lie, Matt. Right. Um, oh, is that one of your statements? Yeah, it's one of my statements, yeah. That's that you may or may it. not We're have watched... It. What's it called? The Androids of Tara, instead of catching up on WandaVision, despite the fact that I've spent ages complaining about not being able to catch up on WandaVision. Okay. Because um, this is all, like, I'm trying to follow the pattern of you did. You did sort of like your week in Who. This is kind of like my week in Who. Yeah. So I'm sort of taking the lead from you here. So... Um, my second statement. Uh, I've been reading the second of the Time Lord Victorious novels, All Flesh is Grass, this week. Mm-hmm. And it has caused me to form what I think is probably my most controversial Doctor Who opinion. Okay. The final potential truth. This week, I won a bit of cash on the lottery. But rather than putting it in the family holiday fund or just popping it in the savings, doing anything sensible with it, uh, I just kept it secret from my partner and immediately blew it all on big Finnish audio dramas. Right. So, out, out of hand, I'm immediately dismissing the third of those three statements. Out, out of hand? Why is that, Matt? Well, first of all, I don't believe... That you would... Uh, you strike me as the sort of person that sees the lottery as a waste of money. Okay? Mm-hmm. A taxation on stupidity. And yeah, that's sec- the thing that people say, isn't it? Secondly, I don't believe that you would keep it from your partner. I, I think you... Too, too good a boy. Yeah, I think your relationship is based on trust and openness and honesty. So just know mm-hmm. if that's the truth, I'll be very disappointed in you. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, talk to me about the androids of Tara. Which Doctor is it? Fourth Doctor. Which companions uh, is it? Romana. Romana One, specifically. Um, it's uh, a serial in The Key to Time, which is that, you know, that sort of story arc Tom Baker season that I've been sort of watching on my in my spare time recently. Finished Stones of Blood last week, and this week it was Androids of Tara. Okay. So, why... why... Are you watching them in order, and you just got to this? Yeah, I'm watching. I'm watching them in order because that this is the this is the series of that Tom Baker did where there's like a loose story arc across all the different stories okay. where they're searching for the pieces of the key to time. Okay, can you just give me a brief synopsis of the androids of Tara? Um, it's uh like set on this weird medieval planet, but there's robots. Okay. What are the robots up to? They're just sort of... Um, it's a bit of a... Go on, use your words. I'm not saying this is a lie, but you seem to be... No. <laughs> um, they're just... It's kind of like a... You don't know who's a robot, who's who's not kind of thing. It's like, it, you know, similar to something like uh, what we have with the Zygons, where like they're, they're, like very, they're very, like, realistic... Um, or... T- like androids 
So okay. they're what, just played what, by actors. What was your favourite part of Androids of Tara? The bit that delights me the most is the Tyran Wood Beast, which, if you've seen my Twitter cover photo, that that is the thing. It's just basically, to pad it out a little bit, there's this, like, just hairy monster creature that uh, is, uh, like, trundling around in the undergrowth in one episode. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, like, obvious padding. There's also a lovely bit at the end with uh, Canine on a boat. Okay, what's K9 doing on a boat? Um he's just he's just, you know, he's there. He's on he's a ju- boat. He's just found himself on a boat. Yeah. Right. Talk to me about All Flesh's grass. I'm four chapters in. I'm four chapters in. It picks up exactly where the uh last one left off. Mhm. Uh I, I don't want to say too much because I don't want to spoil it for anyone who's maybe looking forward to reading it um, and hasn't read them yet. I don't think um, anyone's looking but... forward to reading it. They might just read it <laughs> as a burden. But basically you've got... It starts from a point of the the Eighth Doctor and the Ninth Doctor teaming up to try and s- stop the Tenth Doctor who has gone full-time Lord Victorious mm-hmm. and is just, you know, wrecking shit. So I don't in, want to be any more specific than that. But, in what way is he like wrecking say, shit? What's he actually doing? He's like hired a mercenary fleet and is uh, like destroying the planet of the Koturu. Okay. And what is your controversial opinion about this story? I. It's not about this story. It's broader than that. Go on. My controversial opinion is that I don't think Doctor Who books are good. I think Doctor Who fundamentally does not work in prose. I I don't know. I don't know, because when there was the, the comic book, you were all over that. You were loving it. Uh, comics are different, though, aren't they? I think you lose too much, because ultimately, Doctor Who was made for TV. And you... So, if with comics... You're taking away the audio, but you've still got the visuals. With the audio dramas, you're taking away the visuals, but you've still got the audio. But with prose, you're kind of taking it all away, and you've just got... And this is coming from who, you know, I like reading, and, and, I, and I write prose a lot myself, but I just think Doctor Who doesn't lend itself to it because you're missing out on the performances, you're missing out on the... Even when the visuals are kind of hacky and cheap, like, for example, the Taran Wood Beast, which I mentioned, you know, there is a charm to that. And you don't get that when it's just someone describing, you know, a big green laser or whatever. Right. I I think that's a lie, because I think you've read that and you've absolutely loved it. I think that's going to be the lie. Okay, so, so you're saying that I that's think, a lie. I think this week you have watched The Androids of Tara. Matt, yep. I have not watched The Androids of Tyra. I've not watched it in over a year, and I'm amazed you didn't sniff that out because uh, I was struggling to remember any details about it. Right. Well, you did well there, then. Uh, I, I thought I got the way with the, with the skin of my teeth on that. Um, that is the truth, that I, I've uh, been reading All Flesh is Grass, and it's drawn me to the conclusion that I just don't think I like Doctor Who books. I don't think it works. Wow. And Pete. I feel bad about that because 
for a lot of people, they you know, the target novelizations were their version of Doctor Who. People who love the Virgin New Adventures novels and you know, there's there's a rich history of Doctor Who in print and in prose. But every single Doctor Who book I've read so far has left me a little bit like, huh. it doesn't work for me on a fundamental See, level. In the back of my mind, I was like, I, re- I remember you really liked Brian the Ood. That's why I was like... I did, but I, I enjoyed him way more on the audio dramas that he appears in than I did in the in the book like he was a standout thing in the book he's a good character but i much preferred listening to the performance of of the actor playing brian than just reading descriptions of of him going around doing his thing i just don't think i like doctor who in print that much you know at least not not prose well yeah i feel like i'm a party pooper but there you go and i it may maybe it's not a controversial opinion i feel like it must be to some extent because because there have been so many Doctor Who books out there and there are so many people who do buy them and read them and collect them. So I feel like I'm raining on other people's parades, but yeah, it doesn't work for me. Well, well done, David. You got me there. Now, I'm amazed that I got you. Do you you see the difference in the quality of your statements this week compared to last time? Like, no, I think they're about the same. You, I mean, there you, was one re- fairly obvious lie in there, which you sniffed out straight away. Yeah, but you you, you understand that you've played the game yeah. properly this week. All right, all right then. Well, I certainly I tried, Matt, so I'm glad right. you at least appreciate that. I, I'm not deleting the say, one strike you've got, but... Yeah. Well I will say, I do sometimes play the lottery. Oh, really? Yeah, every now and then. Never oh. won anything on it. There, there is no way you would win money on the lottery. Because I imagine, even if you won <laughs> enough to get some big finish adventures, like £20, £30 maybe, yeah, enough to yeah. get more than one, um, there's no way you would keep that to yourself. You're too honest. <laughs> and also, I do remember a couple of weeks ago, you were like, oh yeah, I've just spent all my pocket money on uh, big finish adventures. So, yeah. how many does a man need, David? Oh, Matt, you should see my wish list. Honestly, if you totted it all up, we're talking four figures. It'd cost me to get everything on my wish list for Big Finish. Do you have any other hobbies outside Doctor Who? Yeah, too many. Do you, again, um, I'm just going to bring in that idea of priorities. Right? <laughs> just, just live your life, David. Don't be cooped up all day listening to Doctor Who stories. <laughs> Not much else to do right now, to be fair. Aye, I suppose. I suppose. I'll tell you what we could right, do. Then. I'll tell you what we could yeah. do. We yep. could discuss what we had for breakfast this morning. Oh, go on then. Go on. Since you um, won, would I lie to who you can go first? Bit of toast, bit of marmite, Matt. Ah, oh, the standard. But The standard. But... Uh, the toast specifically was Warburton's seeded batch toast. Ooh, very nice. You a fan of the you a fan of the Warburton seeded batch? I, I love a seeded loaf. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a quality loaf for sure. What about yourself? Uh, two massive mugs of coffee and an entire Toblerone. 
<laughs> David, I'm I'm yeah. I'm absolutely hanging. I'm doing my best. I think I think I'm doing all right. But uh, yeah. l- last night, it we've we've started basically doing Friday night out because we're not allowed to go out. But me and some friends, like my brother and friends, we all meet up online and we'll just play games and just have a few beers and mess about. And yeah. last night, um, I stocked up on beers. Um, so I am up to, I think, 94 beers for the year so far. Crikey. Uh, so last night on my way home, I bought 11 different, quite, I bought the large cans of beer. And yeah. I've, I've got two left. I got absolutely <laughs> sourced last night. Yeah, that's that's heroic level drinking as far my, as I'm concerned. My wife came home from work and she sort of... I know people enjoy the stories where my wife confronts me about my behaviour. Um, yeah, I mean, I think some people might... If you drop too many, then people might start to worry about the uh, solidity of your marriage. But... No, you... you, you I, I can't explain it any better than the wife is... Not the wife. That makes me sound like a 1970s bloody... Uh, my wife is absolutely the yin to my yang. We're a perfect match. If I'm a dickhead, she's the first in line to tell me I'm a dickhead. Like, That's what you want from a life partner. But yeah, she came home last night and she said she stuck her head round the door to say hello, but I was too engaged in my computer game to notice and I was screaming... For you, the chase is over. And pretending I was Bradley Walsh on the chase. <laughs> and she was like, "Why? Why were you? Why were you so obsessed with the chase last night?" And I don't really know. I just thought it was funny. <laughs> Fair enough. So um, let's talk meal of the week, Matt. What's was uh, did you, did you make the trip to booths yet? Or well, you you've absolutely ruined meal of the week for me because we're coming a bit early, aren't we? Because it's pre booths. I said last week yeah. I was going to get the pies, I was going to review them, and I haven't even left my bedroom yet today. Uh, uh, well, we can defer if you'd like. No, no, we'll just go, we'll just go for whatever else I've had this week. Um... I don't know. Last night I made a lovely curry. That was quite nice. Mm. What was in it? Uh, so it was a lamb sag madras. So loads of lamb, loads Ooh. of spinach, uh, garlic and coriander naan bread, a little bit of rice, poppadoms, mango chutney. Ah, whip, whip the lamb out of there and you're talking my language. Yeah. Absolutely. You know me, I'm partial to a sag. Yeah, that was quite nice. I can't really remember. All week I've been looking forward to the the pies. And (laughs) this bombshell's been dropped on me. Um, Yeah, just pull the rug out from under you. I don't know what else I've had that's been that nice. I guess that that must be it then. That's... uh... Yeah. Because that's the first thing that bubbles up to the the mind. That's usually a sign. I think so. That's what I'm going to commit to. But it, it is not my meal of the year. No. It sounds nice, though. Yeah, it was absolutely lovely. Yeah. And like I say, I worry that's uh, a little bit that's like contributed to my hangover. I think I've got a food hangover as well as a booze hangover. Can happen. Mm. It can happen. Um, so, uh, for my one, there's a little bit of a run, a bit of a story to this one. So, before Mother's Day, 
my partner who t- tends to do the shopping just because like she can do it, it she's free at times where it's quiet to do that um she impulse bought a pack uh, as like a sort of tongue-in-cheek thing a uh packet for uh, like mix thing of a bake at home giant cookie with like pink icing so you can mm-hmm. write happy mother's day on it like that's the sort of serving suggestion on the box it says happy mother's day on the cookie and she said oh you, you and a little absorbaloff are going to make that for me for mother's day aren't you and i was like yeah yeah sure i completely forgot about it <laughs> and she just she uh, she found it in the cupboard this week and was just like ah oh, I'm just going to make this because you forgot. You've let me down again. <laughs> and All so about priorities, it... David. All about yeah, priorities. Yeah. So we're making it together in the kitchen. Little Absorbaloff was there. And Little Absorbaloff, he likes birthdays at the moment. He remembers just about his last birthday. We've got a video that we show him occasionally of him blowing the, the, the candles out on his rocket cake mm-hmm. that, that we made for him. And he will periodically request more birthdays and more rocket cake um and so this 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 giant cookie comes out of the oven and uh my partner's there with the icing like okay what are we going to write on this cookie then because we can't write happy mother's day now and she's like mm, happy thursday and little absorbaloff pipes up with rocket birthday so we wrote happy thursday rocket birthday on a big giant cookie and we ate some Lovely. And uh, it was really fun. Oh, yeah, he demanded candles as well. We put candles on it for nice. it to blow out. So, yeah, that's my meal of the week. Now, happy, happy Thursday, rocket birthday. Now, does it beat the the conqueror, the bangers and mash? <laughs> nah, nah. It was, it was, it was fun, but uh, no, for, for sheer enjoyment, bangers and mash is still in the lead. Nice. Nice. Um, trying to see what else I've got on my little running order that I've written today. Um, have you seen any ghosts this week? Uh, no, because I finished it a couple of weeks ago. No, not the TV show, you burk. <laughs> uh, have you listened to Turning Japanese by The Vapors, or should I just give up asking? Maybe give up asking. Remind me the day before we're going to record, and I might remember. I've I've mostly been listening to Genesis this week, I'll be honest. Anything in particular? Um, Trespass and Nursery Crime. Okay, any any favourite songs? Any any lyrics that stick with you? Uh, the, The musical box, the first track on Nursery Crime is absolutely blowing me out of the water at the moment because i'll be honest i've come quite late to genesis for for a, a sort of so-called progressive rock fan it like they never clicked with me when i was younger um but i'm really getting into them at the moment that and also i've been listening to a lot of king gizzard and the lizard wizard that is the lie for would i lie to you <laughs> that is the lie they are a made-up band <laughs> they are not a made-up band they're, they're fucking amazing also a lie that's the two lies. The truth is you've been listening to Genesis. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to see right what then. I've been listening to this week. A little bit of Mega Ran. Uh, he's what? basically... What's that? Re- uh, so Mega Ran is an artist who 
basically wraps over the soundtrack to video games. And back in the day, so I think is it called something like Nintendo Core? Uh, but back in the day, he released a full album called Black Materia, which is the story of my favourite computer game ever, uh, Final Fantasy VII. And it's the whole plot with the soundtrack in the background and him rapping. Uh, but obviously they've just re-released that game for PlayStation 4. So he's done it again, but this time with all the like up-to-date soundtrack and everything. And it's just a work of art. That sounds very niche. Yeah. Basically, if you don't like that game, this is not the album for you. Um, <laughs> and I've also been listening to a little bit of Wet, Wet, Wet. So there you go. <laughs> We're very different people in some ways, aren't we, Matt? Yeah. Yeah. So shall we talk about... Yeah, go on. I've put off talking about it for long enough. <laughs> We've Let's hit the 40-minute mark. That's that's. I usually try and drag it out for 40 minutes because it's the best part yeah. of the show. My source is well, informed me. <laughs> well, um, all right then. Let's get stuck into it. The Zygon Inversion. Have you got the details up? No. Ah, normally you, 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 you spiel off... Of when course I have! It's episode 8 of season 9 from the 7th of November 2015. Written by Peter Harness and Stephen Moffat and directed by Daniel Netheim. Yeah, worth noting that Moffat co-writing credit. He didn't have a co-writing credit for the first part. Oh, I think it shows because I liked the first part a lot more than this. Oh, interesting. Right out the gate. You're... You think this was a, a, a letdown? Not necessarily. I, I think as a two-parter, the overall story is good. I just preferred the first bit. I think right, I, so. I, I think I had expectations that weren't necessarily met, but it doesn't necessarily mean mm. it's bad. Yeah. So overall, are you saying good episode, bad bits? Is that about where you are with it? Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. I'd, I'd be sort of similar. I, you know, as a story as a whole, I, th- I feel like for me, and yeah, I'm sorry, I am going to bang on about the speech, but the, if you take everything else in this story, it's hovering round about six and a half, seven out of ten. So, you know, solid. But then that speech and Capaldi's performance, you know, that knocks it up to like, Eight, eight and a half at least. It really it lifts the whole rest of the story, especially on rewatches when you know that's what it's building to. Um, but yeah, I think if you take that out of the equation, it's it's closer to a like a like a seven out of ten kind. Do you of think that speech is better than the Rings of Akaten speech? Infinitely for me. What do you think's the do you think it's the best Doctor Who speech? No. I don't think so. It's up there. The, th- the thing is Capaldi is kind of like what as we're starting to see speeches are kind of one of his hallmarks. You know, they they they've realized they've got a bit of a gift with this particular actor. If you if you throw him a sort of grandiloquent speech, he will fucking deliver. Mm-hmm. Um so as his era goes on, they lean into that a little more. So there are a few more to come. 
Have you ever had to give a speech? I mean, yes, I used to do a lot of acting, so, um, yeah. Did you ever have a big monologue like this? Not as powerful as this, no, but I did monologues, yeah. Yeah, like I, I, I properly, I, for a few years when I was in my late teens, you know, I was doing a lot of, like, outside of school theatre stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of it was only really when I went to uni and started specialising in writing that I kind of, I, I, I moved away from doing, like, formal acting and I was mostly just like performing my own bits and bobs and doing like weird performance art and stuff um so I'm very out of practice but um yeah it's it's a real skill I think to take somebody else's words and to imbue them with that much power and meaning I think once we've discussed this episode at the end of this recording I'm going to send you the script and see if you can perform it Oh, please do not do that, Matt. Why? <laughs> you could be the next doctor. And everyone will be like, <laughs> yes, a white man again. Hooray. <laughs> and all the flag shaggers will be out. Like, yes, yes. If anything, you'd be the perfect oh, doctor. Geez. No, I don't think so. I don't think anybody needs that. What, a, a um, white British male? That's what we all want. <laughs> all us in the Doctor Who fan community. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Bit, bit Meghan Markle gets pressure. what she deserves, doesn't she, Doctor Who fans? Boo! Yeah. <laughs> I, think, oh, I think in the Venn diagram there's a big overlap between them. Doctor yeah, Who. could well be. Doctor Who fans and flag shaggers. Well, certainly the not-my-doctor types, the... Yeah. I think the, 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 the yeah the, the the gammon NMD uh, Venn diagram certainly has some overlap to it. Yeah, you can edit that bit um, out if you want. Please don't just cut a soundbite of me like going. Meghan Markle gets what she deserves. <laughs> <laughs> I could do that. Yeah. The Captain Tom all over again. <laughs> yeah. Did I don't know if we ever revealed that that you said Captain Tom is not a national hero. And he's just an old man that went for a walk. I think we left some of it in. I think I snipped out one bit of it. Yeah. But, uh... I think you used the phrase that you don't know what all the fuss is about. It's just an old man going for a walk. Well, David... I didn't exactly say it like that. I think think you've won on that front. A nation in mourning over Sir Captain Tom. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think... I was the point I was making was not really directed at him. It was more of a political thing in that I think it's atrocious that we are fundraising for the NHS when the NHS is a vital public service that should be properly funded. Um, but yeah. I don't think that's a controversial opinion. No. But unlike uh, on Facebook, it, it, where it, you change your profile yeah. picture to Piers Morgan and put hashtag I stand with Piers. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think it's fair to say it came out wrong in the moment. Um, so I, yeah. But anyway, Any, come what? on, let's let's talk, right. let's talk about let's talk about the Zygon inversion. Yeah, we're up to forty-five minutes now. Right. So yeah, Clara is in her pod from last episode. She is, and she wakes All warm up warm and cozy. Yeah, 
Yeah. It did look... Uh, I'd love a little pod like that just to curl up in. <laughs> uh, it's probably wa- a bit squelchy, though, to be fair. Yeah, but it'd be all right. It'd be like, yeah. you know how old people have sit-down baths? Like those chairs in the shower and stuff. Oh, those do look good. Yeah. So, she wakes up, and she's sort of in her flat. And as she's wandering around, she notices a few things are off. So, the clock is backwards, mm. the time on the clock. And yeah. the toothpaste... And then it, I like that, because it, it corrects itself as well. It's mm. it, she, she looks away and looks back, and it, and it sorted itself out. And which I thought was quite the good. The toothpaste... This whole... Go on, sorry. I'm desperate oh, no, no, to talk about the toothpaste, David. Yeah, no, no, go for it. So the toothpaste just says, this is toothpaste. Yeah. But it's not, is it? It's horrible, mucky slime. Well, it probably is. I reckon if she brushed her teeth with it, it would have her senses would have told her that it was just normal toothpaste. But it came out black, mm. which is so, so jarring. What I want to say is I just love this sequence. It's like it's sort of budget david lynch isn't it it's like a i think it really really nails that off-putting dreamlike atmosphere i think when people do sort of try to portray dreams in media sometimes they go too far down the road of whimsy and absolutely nothing making sense but if you actually examine your own dreams there is a, a strong undercurrent of mundanity to it. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Th- there's a lot of just padding around sort of familiar but slightly off places. There's an episode of Buffy that's all centred around dreams. And I think that's probably... There is, yeah. I think that's probably the best representation I've seen. It's a long time since I've seen it, and to be honest, with certain recent revelations, it <laughs> I may never rewatch Buffy at this point. But um, yeah, I do recall that that being quite a good uh, representation of of sort of dreamscape. Um, but yeah, similarly, I like this. I think the the direction, the the design. It just everything about it just kind of works for me. Like it instantly tells you what you need to know about what Clara's going through, mm. in that she she knows to some extent she is trapped, but there is a there's a part of her that that is kind of just wanting to go with this constructed reality that she's in. I don't know. I just think it works really well. So she hears the doctor's voice on the television in her dream. It's the yeah. conversation he was having with Bonnie at the end of last week's episode. And as Clara yeah. tries to escape from her flat, all the windows and doors are sealed. Yeah. But Clara realises because of her link with Bonnie, she's able to manipulate Bonnie's body subconsciously, which causes the rocket that is shot to miss. And at first, I was like, right, nah, this is rubbish. This is rubbish. I'm certain I saw that rocket hit the plane. Uh, but then we see that she just fires another rocket that does hit. Yeah. And to be fair, you don't see the rocket hit the plane. Oh, in, really? In the last episode. It cuts away. You hear it, You hear an explosion. Uh, but it cuts away to Bonnie's face. Right, okay. Maybe I'd just, like, filled in the blanks in my mind. I think so, yeah. So, there is a man running about for a little bit. 
as another yep. man is sweeping up all the corpse fluff from the floor. Yeah. So Bonnie is following the man who's running away and breaks into his flat and mind zaps him. Yeah. Because the Zygons have seemingly really ill-defined powers where they can just do random stuff like this. So yes, when yeah. she... I would have liked it. I would have liked it if she had some kind of device or something. Well, that's it. They seem if to have she... this like mind zap thing, but what yeah. that actually does seems totally inconsistent. It changes because the doctor well, gets it's, mind zapped it's... later. I always felt like it was. I can buy it as like some sort of like potentially lethal taser, so. You can just stun someone with it, or if you really give them the full dose, you can just turn them into a pile of electric dust. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't make sense to me that she's using it to kind of forcibly uh, undo this, uh, this Zygon's change. That was a very poorly worded sentence, but you know what I mean. Like, yeah, because th that's what she does. She kind of like forcibly causes him to revert to his natural Zygon form. Yeah, and when and he I does, I don't get how that how the Zap does that in this instance. Because when he does start turning back into a Zygon, she's filming yeah. it, so she's going to release that footage, isn't she? Now, yes, I I'm assuming all the other people in that little town square. We're all Zygons too, because they seem totally nonplussed by him, like freaking out and yeah, developing that's, boils that's my, and. That's my assumption, but I have to say, I don't think that works for Bonnie's plan. I think it would be better if, if there, there were was, actual humans present. Yeah, if there was a bit who of shopping or. Yeah, because otherwise it just looks kind of odd. And when they're replaying the footage on the news, it just looks like someone, like a like a student film or something. Yeah, <laughs> somebody in a weird rubber suit running around and nobody reacting properly to it. Yeah, it it gives it a level of unreality that it wouldn't have if you had people reacting in genuine horror. So. We but, find out at this point that Bonnie is going for the Osgood box. So they were mentioned last week, weren't they? But kind of just yeah. in passing. Like, yes, we know yeah, they it's exist, just sort of there in but, the background. But we don't know what they are or what they're going to be doing. No. Okay. We so, just know that the, on some level the Osgood box is integral to the piece. So the Doctor and Osgood parachuted to safety from the plane. Yeah. Hooray! Boo. I'm glad the doctor's all right. Yeah, all right. Got it out of your system. On we go. Well, uh, this episode did nothing to endear Osgood to me. I mean, I'll be honest, uh, the... if this one doesn't, then, then, then you're a lost cause as far as Osgood is concerned, I think, because... You know when everyone criticises, that... like, Clara and says she's too important... Yeah. Like, is that ever mirrored uh, or levelled at Osgood? Because in this... No, because like, she doesn't feature as much. Because there's a part where the Doctor like goes, oh, I wonder what's going on. And Osgood just tells him, but there's absolutely no way she could have ever deduced all that information. I don't know. I think she, she was just putting together the pieces of uh, the puzzle that was And like when I when her. I had a quick look on Reddit about what's going on, Everyone just goes, oh, Osgood's so clever. And I'm like, yeah, but 
Are, are you clever enough to know things you haven't experienced? Is that possible? Okay, come on. Let's. Uh, I'll just. I'll just. I can only speak for myself, really, but I have a feeling this is a similar experience to a lot of people have with Osgood as a character, where she is quite obviously, on some level, a representation for uh, of the fandom. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, she is a fan of the Doctor. She cosplays to an extent as the Doctor. Um, she, we know from little hints dropped here and there, she's had her difficulties growing up where she's felt a bit alienated. And, um, and you know, she's intelligent and but not terribly athletic. She's, you know, asthmatic. I think, and I don't want to make too broad a generalisation because I know there are lots of Doctor Who fans out there who don't necessarily conform to all of those particular, uh, I don't want to say stereotypes, but, you know, those particular features. But I, speaking for myself, I do, you know. I, I have felt ostracised for a lot of my life and Doctor Who is one of the things that I have found solace in, you know. I am asthmatic and unathletic. Um, I am in certain limited areas, kind of intelligent, and in other areas, utterly hopeless. <laughs> but, you know, I, 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 when, I, when I'm interested in something, I go deep on it, you know. Um, and I think... I, I think just a lot of people do see an element of themselves and it's nice to feel represented. And in the way that, like, your, your, main, your main companions, right, in Doctor Who... They are for mainstream audiences to have someone to latch onto, and that's great, and we can do that. But Osgood feels special because she's kind of she's just for us on some level. Does that make sense? Yeah, I suppose maybe if I like was more into the show, I'd like absolutely love her. But and, and I think that's the thing. I think I, I don't think she's necessarily objectively the best character or anything close to that, but. But every once in a while, it's nice to feel indulged. And Osgood is a bit of an indulgence for the fandom. And I think also Ingrid Oliver plays her really well because she doesn't overdo it. She's she's playing a nerdy character, but it's not a stereotype. And she's just like she 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 underplays it to an extent, you know, so she feels genuine and and and, and nice and uh, see. I, I yeah, would I, I would object that. I I don't, I think Osgood behaves in a way that nobody would ever behave. She doesn't feel like a real person to me. No, I don't get that. But you know, each to their own. I I, I suppose. Like I'm I I'm not trying to convince you, Matt. I don't think there's any convincing you. But I'm just trying to put forward why my analysis of why I think Osgood remains a popular supporting character within the world of Doctor Who. I mean, and she does keep popping back. Like, uh, for example, she this the, uh, the 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 video game that's just launched, the mobile game. Um, I very nearly bought lo- that lo- this morning. I totally forgot. Assassins. Totally forgot it was yeah. out. So I'm, I'm, pro- I'm waiting. In, I'm waiting until payday because yeah, genuinely, I'm poor enough that three quid is 
a lot of money right now for me to spend before payday on something. But uh, yeah, I, I I am looking forward to that. But yeah, she's that she's probably the main person that they've roped back in to. You know, she's she's reprising the role of Osgood for that game. Yeah, and you know she's done she's done a bit of stuff for Big Finish as Osgood as well. Actually, quite a lot. There's quite a lot of stuff with her and, and Gemma Redgrave reprising Kate Stewart. There's like whole box sets of like just unit without the Doctor. Yeah, like I say, I'm probably going to get that game later today, so I'll be able to feed back next week what's going on. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think when I I might get paid next week. Hopefully. Who knows? So I may be able to join you in in talking about it next week. Right. Um, So, the Doctor and Osgood have a little bit of a chat, and Clara is using Bonnie to contact the Doctor. She's able to manipulate Bonnie's hand to send a text that says, I'm awake. And of course, Osgood knows immediately what that means and tells the Doctor... So. Yeah, pet peeve, pet peeve as well. Sorry, just uh, I know I'm holding things up, but um, it's a classic example of technology not acting like real technology. In the the way the text displays, it's like in massive letters. Yeah, like that's not how texts look. I, I just assumed it's because the doctor's got some sort of weird wonder phone. Uh, I guess maybe. I guess I can let that slide, but it always annoys me when you know people are using weird like operating systems that look nothing like reality or like have you ever seen the film source code yes a long time ago there's there's one moment where it's like obvious product placement he's he's searching for something on bing and it's like really prominent that he's using bing (laughs) and i'm just like that completely takes me out of that film so like nobody uses bing out of choice i was gonna say isn't it a fact that like the most commonly things searched for on bing is google (laughs) it could well be yeah right so bonnie's looking for a safe to find the osgood box it's hidden behind a picture of the first doctor and when she opens it there's a laptop it's got a video from osgood saying that the box is not there yeah okay the doctor keeps calling bonnie zigella yeah, which is a bit rude, to be fair. Yeah. She's told him his name, you know. If you want to get someone on side, maybe respect them and call them by the name they want you to call them. Yeah, plus, but, we don't uh, really know. That could be, like, the most offensive racial slur to a Zygon. Well, yeah, that's the thing. It, it kind of... It does... It does. I know it's just the Doctor being flippant and stuff, but it does genuinely slightly annoy me when I watch this these days. I'm just like... It just seems a bit unnecessarily disrespectful. Yeah. Especially given the Doctor's overall goal within this story. But, yeah, anyway. Right. So, where are we up to? So, Bonnie keeps winking when the Doctor's talking to her, and he works out that that's yes. Clara through Bonnie's mind communicating. So he asks, for example, uh, are you in London? And Bonnie starts winking like mad. <laughs> I really love as well. I think oh, Jenna Coleman plays it so perfectly, but the sort of comedy of like she's trying to be tough and serious and she can't control this winking. She's like desperately trying to cover her eyes and stuff. Um, yeah, it kind of properly tickles me that moment. 
So, the Doctor tells Clara not to let Bonnie into the memories of the Osgood box. Okay? Yes. And after we get an awkward smile from the Doctor, Bonnie talks to Clara through the TV and says, you know, because we're linked body to body, I can detect when your heartbeat increases. I know when you're lying. Yeah. So, she starts questioning as to where the Osgood box is. Okay? And the yeah. Doctor and Osgood are tracking Bonnie down. They're able to use the Doctor's wonder phone to source her location. And when they get there, there's loads yeah. of corpse fluff. Yeah. Okay. And is this where the Doctor's like, oh, what is your name? And we find out her name's Petroleum. Uh, Petronella. Yeah. That, that's what I said. <laughs> Petroleum. Like, Gas. And we find out the doctor, the doctor's name. It was Basil all along. All along, yeah. Imagine if that's canon. <laughs> well, some people do still to like to bring it up and uh, and stuff. Uh, but yeah, I I love that. I love it because it's such a different way of dealing with it, especially after the Matt Smith era where it's all Doctor Who, Doctor Who, and you got a whole freaking episode called The yeah. Name of the Doctor, yeah, it's and it's just, just Doctor Basil. That's a secret. And then he's just like, that's, <laughs> and earlier as well, you know, because in the last episode he he called himself uh, Doctor Disco. That's right. When he refers they, to himself when, when as talking... Basil Disco, doesn't he? Oh uh, no, it's Doctor John Disco. That's the one. <laughs> so like, instead of John Smith, John Disco. Um, yeah, I, I I really love all that, all that, and just like it because it's such a contrast. Um. But it's still, again, it's maintaining the same thing of, like, we never know the true name of the Doctor. But this is just like, oh, yeah, fuck it, whatever. So, <laughs> Clara, in her discussion with Bonnie, says yeah. that the Osgood box is in the Black Archive. It's good to get back there, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, I like, I like the, the concept of the Black Archive. Yeah. That's where Peter from Unit would spend most of his days. Yeah. Well, it kind of puts me in mind a little bit of uh, Warehouse 13, mm. which is an objectively not brilliant show that I have a lot of affection for. See, I, I think most people would say it's like the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark, where you see the yeah, big warehouse yeah. that the Ark of the Covenant... Covenant sorry, well, really, like, yeah, Warehouse 13 kind of picks up where that leaves off. It's like, well, what actually would happen to that stuff if you had a place like that, you know? Right. Um, which I think is a, a good, solid premise for a show, yeah. Right, so... Clara tells Bonnie that it's in the Black Archive, we've already said, and only the Doctor, Osgood and Clara have access. So Bonnie says, well, if you have access, because she asks whether it's like a biological lock, uh, because they're using the same body, for want of a better term, Bonnie will have access. Okay? Yeah. And... The box has a button which can unmask all the Zygons, but the big question is, why is it called an Osgood box? Yes. Did he guess? Yeah, I'd pretty much worked it out. Not necessarily exactly, but I'd worked out that there was going to be more than one, and they wouldn't know which one contains the box. The button to press. Okay. So the Doctor asks Osgood which one she is, Okay, whether she's the Zygon or the human. Now, I'm. I think she might be the Zygon. You think? 
Yeah, because we don't see her really use her inhaler a lot in this episode until the very end. And she does like a little no. run along the beach and stuff like that. Well, you know, being asthmatic, you don't have to use your inhaler like after literally every time you run. Especially, I mean, if you do, then your asthma is not being controlled properly and you probably need to go to your, your doctor. Right. So, we get the return of Kate Stewart. <laughs> Just no, no response to that? Uh, well, I, I, my mind's all over the place, David. I, I, I've lost my place <laughs> in my notes. Uh, yeah, but you're doing a valiant job, Matt, Look, keeping it together. I, I'll be honest, the at the same time, I'm putting together a little model whilst I'm talking to you. So I'll, I'll send you a picture when it's finished. Oh, I look forward to that. Okay, that was going to be my weekend plan, but then I got too drunk. And now I don't know yeah. what to do. Oh, right, so... Um, Kate Stewart, as we've said, returns. And the Zygon that has interrupted the Doctor and Osgood says he just wants to live. He's like a casualty of war, isn't he? He just says that he's not fighting for either side... The Doctor has taken yeah. his life from him and ultimately the Zygons are going to lead to his death. So, yeah, this is kind of what I wished we'd had a bit more of in the first episode of showing more of just the peaceful Zygons who do just want to settle and live in peace, mm -hmm. you know, which I feel was somewhat missing and needed to be more firmly established in the first episode. But we get it here anyway, which is nice. Um, but it's yeah. also a bit have your cake and eat it because, you know, he's he's got this change that he's trying to control and they're very much leaning into the sort of Cronenberg body horror element of it. Yeah. Like, the thing is, up until this point, every Zygon we've seen has been one of the big bad Zygons. So pretty much, except except for the, the the Zygon High Command at the start, who were kidnapped and then later executed. Yeah, but I I, I struggled to sympathise with the Zygons. Like, yeah, and that's and, and if I think the story's just going to show them doing everything bad and evil, and then expect us to sympathise with them, I, I struggled a bit well, with that. That's the thing, and I I I I, I applaud because it's a fairly common issue with science fiction is that you will end up having a, a an alien race and you're like and it kind of ends up being sort of on some level racist against this fictional race which was like oh well they're all like this like star trek does loads of this and being like you know ah oh, well this is the culture for this and if you think about all of the diverse cultures that we have within our one tiny planet and our one species mm -hmm. Why do we then have all these alien races who are literally defined by like one or two things, and we t and we paint them all with the same brush? So, if you're wanting to tell a story in which the Zygons are analogous to refugees, and sure, you might have a few people who have built up a form of resentment and and get radicalized and and are driven to do heinous violent acts in you know as a result of that radicalization that's fine that's legitimate and that you know that does happen we see that happen in in the real world but you've got to counterbalance that with an understanding of that is not the majority mm -hmm. um and yeah this episode does at times slide into just basically 
every Zygon you see is just another radicalised, you know, either a henchman for the big bad or one of the big bads, you know. Uh, but, yeah, anyway, I, at least we do get this scene. And it, it's credit to the actor because it's a short bit, really. But I think, you, you you know, your heart breaks for him. He just feels he, he does a good job of just showing how trapped he is at this point. To the extent, we haven't, yeah. I was going to say, we haven't really mentioned it, but it does end with him taking his own life. Yeah, yeah, it's really, really tragic. So once um, he's blasted himself, Kate Stewart approaches the Doctor, and again, we're led to believe this is Zygon Kate Stewart, because she's got her two yeah. Zygon guards. I get, I get you. I guess you weren't buying it for a second, though. You'd already I, kind of. I wasn't out buying that... this from last week. Yeah. If nothing else, if we have a Zygon Osgood, I don't think they would do the same with another character. I don't think we could have well, unit yeah, we just being run Clara. by Zygons. Yeah, and we and and we got Zygon Clara as well in this. Let's not forget. Yeah. You know. Yeah, there had to be one Zygon double cross, for want of a better term. Yeah. So, also, the fact that she acts really shifty and is like, oh, Doctor, come with me. I know where Clara is. I'll take you to Clara. Uh, So, they're heading to find Clara because her pod has been taken to the Black Archive, so Bonnie can use it to open the archive to gain access. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Osgood, again, immediately knows that the guards are Zygons because she knows everything. And Bonnie finds a box. And this is where we get the revelation of the Osgood box. That there are two of them. Yeah. One will normalise the Zygons and revert them back to their Zygon form. And the other will destroy them. Okay, they say there's a nuclear warhead under the Black Archive. Is that correct? And that will kill them. I I believe so, yeah. Uh, I think that was that was referenced in Day of the Doctor as well, wasn't it? Yeah. So, when Bonnie opens the box, there's two buttons. One says truth, one says consequences. So that's what we've been leaning yeah. into that for in both episodes. And as we know... So, yeah. So, so initially, the your thinking is, well, you've got two boxes and you've got a choice between the two boxes. But then I, I like that it's further... Oh, you don't even have that. It's like between the two boxes. There, yeah. there are two you choices. You choose the right box and press the wrong right. button. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's so clever, this. I, re- I really like it. So, like we say, Kate is not Zygon. She shoots the Zygon guards. And we yeah, get... we get a callback to her. It, it's a classic reference. I don't know... It, if you if you picked up on it, we have watched the episode that it's referencing. It's a, a callback to the demons. Okay. Do you remember when? Um, do you remember the little gargoyle guy, Bok? Yeah. How, how could I forget Bok? Yeah, we all remember Bok, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, the brigadier says to one of the unit soldiers, "Chap with the rings, there, five rounds rapid." And so. In this episode, when when the the doctor asks Kate how she escaped, we get a flashback to her just emptying her gun into the Zygon. Did and that she become says, like five a, rounds rapid? A catchphrase for the brigadier, or did he just say it the once and everyone latched on? Just the it? once, just once. But it's a good line. It's a good line that people latched onto. Right. 
And because it kind of, it I think because it sort of neatly summarizes the Brigadier's whole whole deal, basically, in that he's got he's facing these ridiculous alien threats and and things like that, and he just has that sort of blithe, stiff upper lip military man thing of just like, right, let's deal with this then, shall we? You know, yeah. that sort of quality. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a it, in this case, in this episode, it's like, you know, just a chip off the old block moment. Right. So, the Doctor then arrives at the Black Archives and challenges Kate and Bonnie to push a button. And he... Yeah. We get a different explanation of what the buttons do here. He says one unmasks them and the other permanently prevents their change ability. So rather than launching that nuke, it's going to change their ability to alter their forms. Yeah. Okay. And I quite like the little line. I know it's not part of this speech, but the Doctor yeah. says, the only way to peace is a willingness to forgive. We need to break the cycle. Yeah. I, quite, I thought that was quite a good it, line. It is, and it, it's it's something that is returned to. It's like, it's really, it's the underpinning of this whole story. Yeah. That's what this, this story is all about. Uh, and this is a point where I mentioned that Peter Harness, in interviews, has been very magnanimous in saying that the speech is, by and large, Stephen Moffat's writing. Oh, really? You, you know, so... Which is, I think, as a writer, that's quite a generous thing to do. Yes, he has a co-writing credit, but to say, like, oh, yeah, the bit that you all love and really latch on to, that's mostly someone else's work, you know. So I can only take so much credit for that. So the Doctor um, talks about the Zygons, but he's obviously talking about himself. Uh, he refers to the boxes as a scale model of war, that you push a button yeah. and you don't know who's going to be hurt by that. Yes. And then yeah. when Bonnie says, what do you know about war? The Doctor delivers the speech. Yeah. And it's... Come on, it's fucking extraordinary acting, oh, right? Ten out of ten. Uh, his, his, his face, his body movements, his voice, every, every little moment of it, every detail. And I'll be honest, you know... It's one of those things. I will. I'll sometimes pull it up on YouTube and just watch it as a clip. It's and it still moves me every time, even though I've seen it. I may not have seen the whole story leading up to it countless times, but that speech in particular, yeah, I've 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 watched it more times than I could count at this point. You you do know that the time was not real, David, don't you? I do know that. On, on but, Remembrance but Day, on we... Armistice Day, you're not saluting the Doctor, are you? <laughs> I'm not, but but this is the power of fiction, though, and science fiction in particular, in that it you can, by taking one step away from reality, you can pull things into focus about our world that maybe is harder to tackle head-on. Um... And I gen it is one of the most powerful bits of writing about the futility of war that I think I've ever encountered personally. And it's delivered so beautifully. And because we have that weight, that baggage of history that only a show like Doctor Who can manage, you know, we've seen allusions to and 
multiple different actors inhabiting this role and showing us the pain and the personal toll the time war has taken on them and and it culminating to an extent in this moment here where he's talking you know he calls he calls bonnie like you know he refers to her as like a screaming kid and stuff and says she's having a tantrum and it's just like because this is such small fry compared to what he's had to deal with what he's been through and you know in the wrong hands a moment like this it wouldn't land you'd be like i don't believe you you're just a bloke but in this moment you fully 100 percent believe it you really believe it in that moment that this this character has been through all this pain yeah and has come to the conclusion that there is no you know Nothing however good to come of it really yeah i think the moment that always gets me is is where he says like you know and you'll get to this point where you 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 have to do what you were always going to have to do from the very beginning sit down and talk mm. and it's true i don't think you can think of any war that's actually genuinely completely completed where it has you know it hasn't ended with the two sides having to come to some form of reconciliation mm-hmm. even if it's if it's unstable even if it's not doesn't last forever nothing lasts forever but um yeah it's so it this really it's about on 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 both on every level you know individual all the way through to to to, to nations planets where there is conflict, the only way to resolve it is at some point to forgive. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I, I mean, I don't know. I could talk forever, but I don't see the point. You know, it's because everyone listening to this is preaching to the choir. I don't. I've yet to meet a Doctor Who fan who didn't love this scene. So, yeah. No, I, I think the... credit where credit's due. Like you say, they found what Capaldi's good at, and they use it. Yeah, yeah. And so this really is one of those scenes that, like, cements cements this iteration of the Doctor. And it's, 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 it's moments like this when people tell you Twelfth Doctor is their favourite Doctor. This is why. Not just this scene, but the scenes like this. He's bring, he, Capaldi is bringing something to the table that... Look, I love Matt Smith. I couldn't imagine Matt Smith doing this scene as well as Capaldi. No, no. But like, um, I, I, or, or Tennant, or, or, or maybe Eccleston. I don't know, but no. There's something about the 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 the, the, the of uh, the surface level avunculus avuncular quality, but with this real softness underneath yeah because that capaldi has like we haven't mentioned but at going into the speech and at times during it he's he's talking about you know pushing the button in terms of like a game show you know yes, everyone yeah, keeps saying to him this is not a game and you know he's he goes from playful and then just at the flick of a switch 
he's totally, totally yeah, just serious. deadly serious. Yeah, yeah. No, it's 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 just absolutely masterful acting, um, and and masterful writing as well. You know, you can give a good actor a bad script and they'll do an okay job, and you can give a a bad actor a good script, so they'll do an okay job. But you get a good you if you get the pairing of good script, good actor, then you know. <laughs> you can really make something wonderful happen. And that's what happens here. So I, I don't think there's any more to say about it, really. Um, should we move on to the sort of... Yeah, so... The, the resolution of so this. So Kate Stewart stands down. Yeah. And as there's pressure on Bonnie to stand down, she realises that the boxes are simply empty. The whole premise of the box was simply to get them talking. So they would settle yeah. their difference without violence. Okay. So as soon as it's revealed that the boxes are empty, okay, uh, the Doctor mind wipes everyone. It turns out they've been in this scenario before, it seems. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And so when he mind wipes everyone, that does not include Bonnie. Yeah. And Osgood says, you know, you're one of us now. So, Bonnie makes her way back to Zygon HQ to order a ceasefire. Yeah. So, the Zygons have finally stood down. The Doctor invites Osgood to come travel with him, but she says, no, I need to be here to take care of the box and look after the planet. And, would you believe it, there's two Osgoods again. Yay! And there was much rejoicing. And your headcount at this point is you've got two Zygon Osgoods. Yeah. So original human Zygon, uh, he, he, original human Osgood, definitely dead. Yeah. Big props to Missy on that one. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so the and, new... Uh, we, we haven't mentioned as well, uh, the, the, the Osgood we've had throughout most of this story has been rocking a bit of Fifth Doctor cosplay. Um... And this one, the the new Bonnie now Osgood, is uh, has gone for the seventh Doctor look. Mm-hmm. She's got the old question mark jumper. Yeah. So they remain behind. They're going to you know keep the peace on Earth. And the Doctor and Clara fly off. And I like the line where Clara says, you know, oh, you must have thought I was dead. And the doctor goes, yeah, it was the longest month of my life. And when Clara says, oh, it was only five minutes, he, you get that big indication, like, mm, not to me, pal. And, you know, yeah. he sa- doesn't he say something like, oh, I'll be in charge of time. I'll be the judge of time. He says, yeah, so that's the line. I'll be the judge of time. Which, obviously, it works on, on a number of levels because he's lit- he is a time lord. Yeah. <laughs> in some ways, he is kind of the judge of time. Um, but... Yeah, and and he delivers that line so softly as well. And then Osgood and Bonnie go for some ice cream. Little puff of the inhaler, the end. Uh, What off into the sunset? Yeah, you you, you take that speech out of this story and it's good. It's solid. It works. But holy fucking shit, that... It just it kicks it up so much, doesn't it? One hundred percent. It yeah. It's the difference maker for me. Yeah, yeah, and it's a long walk to get there as well because it being a two parter and stuff. 
but it's but even but, but the rest of it it's solid it's I, I feel like it's it's rarely less than good this story mm. there's little moments where you're just like uh that the, the direction was a little bit botched or whatever but it's rarely less than good as a story it earns it earns the length that it has i feel like yeah and again we've 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 had we've had back to back two parters so far this this series um so it's it I, I love the sort of breathing room that you get. You know, imagine if they tried to do this in one episode. Yeah, it would not work. I'm it would have been. It would have been a a mess. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah. Are we on there a two parter well, again next week? Do you want me to spoil it for you or not? Because like I've not been kind of letting letting slip whether or not we've got two parters or not. Um, uh, if but it, I can if do. It's if it's obviously like... a two parter, you can tell me. It is not obviously a two-parter. Is it a two-parter that just isn't that obvious? It is not a two-parter that's even... It's it's the first standalone episode of the series. Hooray. Yeah. Hooray. Um, so you're really looking forward to it? It's an episode called Sleep No More. Okay. Does that intrigue you as a title? Uh, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Would it intrigue you less if I told you it's written by Mark Gatiss? 100% yes. <laughs> How is he still f- flirting around? He's mates with Moffat. Yeah, I know, but like, you're my mate, but I wouldn't let you come to teach science at school for me. <laughs> you know. I, th- I just think they need to learn some boundaries. <laughs> It's uh, yeah. I'm 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 sorry, Matt, but G- Gatis is a permanent fixture through the Moffat years, right? And indeed, was in 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 the uh, RTD years as well, right? He has he has hung up his quill now, as far as Doctor Who's concerned, though. You know, mm. Chibnall era. He'll be lurking in the background. There'll be something at play. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if, as he gets towards retirement, he just starts knocking s- scripts out for Big Finish again. He's written a few in his younger years, and he still does the odd bit of acting for them. But I think there's there's no stopping him. No. You may not love everything he writes for Doctor Who, but he loves writing it, and uh, he's a big enough name that people are always going to be willing to give him the chance if he's got something he wants to write. And in fact, just recently, he did a novelisation of uh, the Crimson Horror. Oh, really? Yeah. Did he did he write that for starters? He wrote that that he wrote that story, yeah. and this is the thing. Like I, I'm going back to my controversial opinion. Like I kind of want to read it, but I'm just like I don't think it would work. I don't know. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'll read it and feed back to you. Yeah, there's other novelizations I want to read more. The Moffat did Day of the Doctor. I'm quite, mm. I'm curious to see what that one's like. I don't know. Maybe I'll. I, I might read a Doctor Who book, like that time I listened to One Big Finish Adventure. I might yeah. pick. A, I might pick a book. I, it's almost the Easter break, so I'll have two weeks off work. I might pick. Well, a I'll Doctor. tell you what. I was looking at one the other day because I'm still. I still get tempted by them all the time. There's one that I've been eyeing up for a while, uh, which is the only War Doctor book that uh-huh. was on. It was like two quid on Kindle, the other day when I was looking at it. Um, called Engines of War. Okay. Do you think I should have a look at that? I don't know. Pe- people seem to like it. And I've looked at reviews and stuff. I don't know. Maybe throw it out to, to Twitter. See if uh, 
anyone's got any good suggestions no, for I'm not asking Doctor them. Who books for you? <laughs> They'll recommend all sorts of rubbish. Yeah. So yeah, maybe well, maybe for the anyway. Easter break I'll read a Doctor Who book. Maybe. Uh, but until then, listeners, um, we've got uh, Sleep No More to look forward to. Yeah. And uh, as always, thank you very much for listening. And cheerio. Bye now. Thank you for listening to Neither the Time Nor the Space. If you wish to contact us, our email address is timenorspacepod at gmail.com and on Twitter we are at timenorspacepod. And thank you to Alexander Urban for his smashing arrangement of the Doctor Who theme.